Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I invited Pam Didner. If you don't know Pam, you can certainly get to know her very well if you drop in at pamdidner.com. But let me tell you a little bit about Pam before I welcome her. Uh, She and I were both at the B2B Marketing Conference earlier this year in Arizona, and Pam was speaking there and talking about some of the concepts of her new book, which is about sales enablement. And as you can tell on the program, I'm looking to bring in some more expertise and insights on the sales side, and that's why we talked about sales tech recently with Nancy Narden, and I've got some people coming on the program from the sales side of the revenue equation to join us. And so since Pam is working on this new book, I thought, why not bring her on the program, talk about some of the things that she's sharing in sales enablement. This is Pam's actually second book, and the first book that she wrote was on content, and it was called Global Content Marketing, named appropriately. So if you want to learn about Pam, drop in on her website. You'll certainly get to know her in a moment. And without further ado, Pam, welcome to the program. How are you? Doing very well. It's my pleasure to be on your program. Fantastic. And by the way, it was wonderful uh, meeting you in Phoenix, and I had a great time. I, You know, it was a great conference. I thought Andrew and his team put together a wonderful show tons of great speakers, and um, it's been nice to follow up with so many of you and invite you onto the program and continue the conversation. So thank you for taking my invitation. Where where are you connecting in from? I, uh, I don't know where you are right now. I'm actually based in Portland, Oregon, and uh, so for listeners out there, if you have never been to Portland, Oregon, you should come. It's a wonderful place. And by the way, for uh, some of you that have seen Polandia, and I have to tell you, it's all true. Really? So how that was being presented, yes, it's true. <laughs> you know, you never know, fiction or nonfiction. We are quirky. We are actually very, very quirky. It's a wonderful town. People are genuinely nice, and I love this place, and I have lived here for over 25 years. Demand Gen, you know, my company, the, the thing I do by day, right? Uh, we've got people all over the country, and we've got several people up there as well, right near you. So I should make some introductions. Got some great members of our team out of Oregon, and they say the same thing. Love it. Quirky town, but uh, very great state. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, please make the intro. I would love to uh, meet them. We'll do that. So uh, let's dive in. Let's talk about sales enablement. Sure. But, you know, before we jump in, Pam, maybe... Uh, just share a little bit with how how you landed where you are here today, maybe a little story of uh, your career journey and what, uh, you know, where your passions for content marketing and now sales enablement come from. Yeah, certainly. Um, I I was a corporate junkie for about 20 years, and uh, I worked in the corporate world for um, for over two decades, and uh, which is Intel. And I had a great time, don't take me wrong. And uh, it's always in the technology uh, segment. And when I joined Intel about 20 years ago, and I was pretty much at the end of the 90s, and uh, actually the, the, the CEO at the time was still Andy Grove, who passed away, um, I, would, I think, last year, and a great leader. Phenomenal leader. And when I joined Intel, yeah. When I joined Intel, um, the company actually encouraged people to move around. And uh, I was a CPA, so I started in the finance and accounting. 
um, um, as a uh, as my uh, career uh, starting point. And then from there, I moved to project management and then uh, to manufacturing, supply chain management, and, uh, and none of them uh, you know, were related to marketing. Um, I also did uh, purchasing for a little bit. So I was on the manufacturing floor, I was in operations, I was on budget uh, planning. And then um, the road to marketing was actually a twist of fate, if you will. Um, um, even marketing manager was asking me if I'm actually interested to do a marketing operation, even inside of it, of course, mm -hmm. for him. And so I started really doing the, the marketing operation um, for events for several years. Then I moved to event marketing. And then the last seven years of my role at Intel was actually marketing strategy. That means I worked very closely with various different marketing functions, understanding their, um, their, their, their plan. And then I will put a global go-to-market plan uh, for our geographies and also country marketing teams. So I work very, very closely with the product marketing with the different uh, marketing functions uh, at a corporate level. And I put together a plan and inform everybody when the product launch will be mm -hmm. and what kind of um, marketing needs that we will need and also work specifically on the content in terms of what's the content roadmap and content planning on a global scale. And then uh, the geographies and the country team would take that and then modify and uh, use it as they see fit for their sales and the marketing efforts on the ground. And that's probably the best job I ever had. I got a chance to actually uh, see at, um, you know, uh, at the 46,000 fee level in terms of how things work with different marketing functions from direct marketing down to uh, partner marketing down to even social media and also work very closely with the product team uh, to understand their product launch roadmap and then put together a plan that the geographies and the country can execute. So that's actually also <laughs> paved the way for my first book, uh, which is global content marketing is talking about how to scale content across the regions and, um, it's not necessarily Intel's process per se. Uh, it's the process that we did at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, after I left, I internalized that whole process and created a framework uh, for it. And then that's also the base for the first book. Well, thank you for writing that book because I love prescriptive books. I'm a big fan. I have, I have two philosophies. One is you don't have to read a book cover to cover, you know, when there's particular chapters. No, you don't. Um, I agree. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, and I find that with, uh, you know, looking at uh, the work that you're doing on sales enablement, right? Each one of those chapters yeah. is in itself something that um, is, are great nuggets of, of wisdom. The other thing, observation I have just listening to your career journey is that you represent a little bit of a unicorn when it comes to marketing because you had the um, chance to have expertise developed in many different departments within an organization. A lot of marketers don't get that uh, opportunity. Certainly sales rarely gets that opportunity. And you know, when you talk about product management, all of us in marketing always dread the bad process, the bad experience when a product manager just you know comes down from the mountain and says hey we're launching this product in four weeks and we need you know a marketing plan and and you know an omni-channel uh plan to, and you're like w where were you six months ago like how do you expect this to just fit oh. this in so yeah you really why have... don't you talk to 
me first <laughs> so we can put some talking points together. Yes, exactly. I totally agree with you. And uh, you, you are totally right. I, um, I, I was very, very fortunate. I didn't start in the, in the marketing role or even sales role. And I started somewhere else. And um, I got a chance to see how actually everything worked. So that, um, um, I would say, wide array of work experience yeah. actually helped me in terms of when I do any kind of communication plan or yeah. any kind of a pitch uh, to different functions, I can talk their languages. So that was actually very helpful um, in terms of having uh, a different experience. It's, it's huge. Companies like Intel and Google, Microsoft, a lot of great corporations, even, even uh, companies I believe like Walmart and um, some of the medical devices companies that I know. People work in different departments, move around. It's part of the, the corporate plan uh, for onboarding and, and teaching you so that you're you know, more cross-functional and, and savvy in that way. Yeah, I do agree. Yeah. So now you're in the in the world of sales enablement and writing books on sales enablement. So, um, what do you define as sales enablement? What does it what does the world look like to you? Good question. Um, a lot of sales enablement books out there they are actually they are written from um, sales professional and mm-hmm. also sales training managers' perspective. So if you look at uh, if you do a lot of Amazon dot uh, com search. And, and you type sales enablement and you check a lot of those books, they are actually very sales-centric, which is by whom mean they should be. Mm-hmm. And if you check out the authors, they tend to be a sales managers or sales trainers. That means they are training the sales team uh, to be better salespeople. Uh, my book is a little bit different. I'm writing from a marketer's perspective. And I, and I made that very clear also in my book that I was never a salesperson. But uh, I, so I didn't carry the bag, but I supported sales for a long period of time. And um, um, I got a chance to work with them firsthand, you know, on a global scale, uh, supporting the global sales team. And I also supported the indirect sales, which, uh, which is channel partners, um, a group in terms of working with the channel partners, mm-hmm. um, creating the content for them so that they can leverage. And on top, given that I don't have that real, you know, on the ground sales experience, I interview many uh, sales managers, operations managers, and sales enablement um, uh, people, just try to get their insight. And I try to validate their point with mine uh, in terms of the research I did. So when I was writing this book, as you can see the outline, uh, David, I share that with you. Yeah. And you can see that uh, they are actually from marketers' perspective in terms of how different marketing programs can help a sales team and also uh, messaging and content, how trainings are tied together. And, uh, and also, again, from a marketer's perspective, what can marketing people do to actually aid the sales enablement elements of it and to make it even more productive and effective? So is sales enablement tools, technologies, and processes, or even, even more than that? Um, they are actually more than that. I have several chapters talking about um, what branding and the messaging framework means to the sales team yeah. and also content creation. I also touch a little bit in terms of technology's role in sales enablement. So I didn't go in depth 
in sales processes and the sales methodologies. I feel that there are a lot of books out there right. address that part of it, and they are doing a much better job than I will ever do. So I focus uh, in terms of a marketing element and how can the salespeople leverage those marketing elements so much better. The reason I, I think that's important is the digital, right? The right. integration of the digital that really um, break down the boundaries between sales and marketing. If yep. you're thinking about uh, the roles and responsibility of sales and marketing, it's literally disappearing. And uh, obviously marketing, people are using email ca uh, email campaigns or email marketing to reach out to their target audience. Well, guess what? So are the salespeople, yep. right? And uh, the marketing are using the social media to reach out to the, uh, the prospects. Guess what? So are the salespeople. Exactly. So there's a lot of marketing tools that have been used actually by both groups. And I'm not saying that uh, these two groups eventually need to merge. That's not my point. I still think they have a very distinctive uh, functionality and objective they serve. But uh, we need to be very cognizant in terms of these two groups. The overlapping, if you will, um, are much bigger than ever before. It's very important for these two groups to work together. Of course, that's without saying. Right. I mean, work closer together than ever before, and at the same, to avoid tripping each other. Right. I, I ask you these questions so open ended because I have now such strong opinions um, that I'm forming and even making recommendations to our clients on. And and let me share with you the perspective that sure. I have and see what you what you think. I mean, you have written the book on this stuff, so your amount of research uh, is is certainly broad and very targeted in terms of the audiences that you've been targeting to talking to. So, so here's the thing: think of the funnel for a second. Like, draw it in your in your sure. mind. You see this funnel, mm -hmm. and we've all agreed right. that marketing. Yep. Okay, burned in your mind. Yeah, we all agree that where marketing's role and sales role is in that funnel has forever changed and it's true collaboration up and down the funnel. In the perfect world, mm -hmm. it's a shared vision and a shared set of processes and a shared um, playbook, if you will, to take someone from that top of the funnel all the way through to customer. Now let's pretend that we shadow the funnel or maybe even draw two circles. And on one side, you said it really, really well, like we've had tools like email, Marketing uses email, sales uses email. But let's pretend these two right. circles, which are about to become a Venn diagram, are marketing technologies, what's called MarTech, and the other right. circle is sales tech. If the functions between marketing and sales are moving closer and closer together, it would suggest, as you paralleled with email, that the sales tech and MarTech tools are overlapping, and therefore... Uh, we have, why do we have marketing operations and sales operations? Do we need to have revenue operations and more collaboration? Revenue stack. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of sales enablement tools, who's the trainer? Who's the enablement person? Who's the go-to? Who's the subject matter expert on how to use these tools as companies are hiring new salespeople? So what I'm seeing, just like in my podcast with Nancy, just like there's now hundreds of sales tech tools that have come about, and sales operations really never had a lot of responsibilities for these maybe outside of CRM and some other things. There's this convergence of tools and technologies and processes 
and I believe the light is starting to shine that we're going to have to restructure the mid-size and larger organizations uh, in such a way that there's a lot more synergy and and harmony. That's my, you know, strong uh, perception that I have, and I'd love to get your thoughts. I love it, and I agree with you 100%. And I think it worked very well in theory. And I'm going to be a devil's advocate for yeah, a second. And by the way, I agree with everything you said. Okay. And um, what I'm trying to say is, it, what you said is 100% correct, and I do agree with you. And uh, with um, uh, the emerging of the digital and also uh, multiple different technologies and the tools that they actually serve um, uh, dual purposes. And with that being said, we should not have uh, MarTech versus sales tech. Uh, a sales tech stack, and I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. However, that is very hard to implement in any B2B enterprises. You know why? Because all the tools and all the budgets and all the resources are structured by organization. Right. And how are these two organizations are divided? Well, they are divided as sales team and the marketing team. Unless, unless these two teams are somehow merged, become one group, and they are reported even to, you know, a one group and really, really look into that the roles and responsibility between these two groups from digital's perspective, then your vision can be realized. If majority of the organization out there, and currently, which they are, still function as a sales organization versus marketing organization, then your vision and also what you are sharing is actually very, very hard to implement. Ultimately, buying technology is a budget discussion, right? In addition to organizational structure, is who actually owns the budget and who can actually source the the tools. And I 100% agree with you. As long as Marketing stay as one independent function from the sales team within the organization. The way that the tools will be sourced will be separate, which is sad, but that's unfortunately is a re- reality actually in the short term. But I think this is Pam thinking, and um, I don't really don't I don't know what the structure is going to look like. Mm-hmm. I personally think in the next ten years and especially with uh, millennials come to the workforce and eventually they will take over and be a managers. And um, they are incredibly savvy with, um, with technologies. The way they view the organizational structure will be very different than our generation, if you will. And I, I think that they will structure uh, the sales and marketing teams differently. And um, maybe it's gonna be technology driven you know, instead of functional driven, that sales versus marketing, but it's very much a technology driven type of approach. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, that's what Amazon is doing, right? And um, 10 years ago, all the bookstores are dying and well, went bankrupt. Yeah. But Amazon started online, but guess what they are doing now? They are opening stores. But how is their store different than, say, Barnes & Noble and other traditional uh, bookstore that we had back in the 80s and 90s? Well, they are technology-driven, right? Right. So they still build the physical store, 
But that whole physical store, even that gives us a feeling that just a physical store, but that whole store was built on technology. And the technology drives in terms of what the, how that store will function instead of a processes, instead of tools. But technology doesn't mean strategy. Okay, they are two different things, right? They still need to have a strategy and they use the technology to actually implement the process and, and, and the tools. Yeah. And maybe moving forward, your vision is possible that in addition to that, these two groups possibly will merge is that uh, the next generation of management team will look into how they're going to structure sales enablement, I'm sorry, sales and marketing tools from technology's perspective rather than you know, functionality and roles and responsibility. Is that helpful? I know it's a very complex and also complicated question, but I'm trying to answer it kind of I like in five minutes. I, I love it because, um, so Pam, as you said to me, I agree with you 100%. So, you. <laughs> you know, the, the challenge of frameworks is they certainly sound great on a slide right. in PowerPoint. Um, no names mentioned, but there's a, there's a company that's famous for their frameworks, right? And the slides go up, and here's right. a model of what you should do in your organization. And you know what? What you did is say, it may make sense on paper to bring these functions together, but let's look fundamentally how organizations are structured Work. and punch yep. holes in this because there's a lot of challenges, cultural differences, leadership differences, totally. uh, where, where's the budgets, all those great challenges. So it, when I was listening to you, I'm curious where everyone else went. I went to the buck stops with the CEO. Does the CEO see the world as sales and marketing as one function. And if I'm repeating myself, I know not to you, Pam, but I've certainly said to folks before, um, and when said, hey, where'd the name of the company DemandGen come from? How'd you get DemandGen.com? Like, how was that even possible, Dave? And I said, well, um, when I was at my last company, we had incredible alignment culturally between sales and marketing, like I've never experienced before. But we had a sales and marketing meeting on Fridays. And I thought, God, how do we bring these teams even closer and closer together culturally? Let's change the name of that meeting and call it the Demand Gen Meeting. And so this is, you know, circa 2002, I think, or 2003. And I said, you know what? Uh, like you, I, I'd love to educate and inform. And I said, I'm going to write a blog someday, because that's when blogs were just coming about. I said, I'm going to do a blog someday and write about how this works, break down this framework, break down this model to how sales and marketing can truly align, and that's when I registered demandgen.com. And it was years later when I said, you know what, I'm gonna help the world uh, use and adopt marketing technology and started DemandGen, the company, and um, I I'm right there with you. And it, it's, this, is, this topic is, is a daily topic for me around the alignment of sales and marketing from a systems yep. and people and process uh, perspective. And I think you punched a really big hole, which is how are we going to get these teams to be truly Venn diagrams that overlap so tightly um, until maybe right. the structure or leadership of the organization fosters that? Yes. And I really think that, and, you know, I'm not saying that we are old, but uh, we're being educated in a certain way, <laughs> right? And that's before the, the, the mobile devices truly uh, took off. And that's, you know, even before the internet, that's really um, uh, became prevalent. And we, we are thinking in a certain way, but I noticed that next generation millenni millennials, they are thinking a little bit differently. And I'm very curious to see, you know, with um, 
uh, with the next generations of the workforce when they become management? How are they going to structure uh, the organization? And um, I think it will be will be very different than ours. That's the only thing I'm saying. I, I, I can see that. But in terms of what that will look like, I have no clue. You know, a lot of people say, okay, what do you think, Pam? I hate saying this. I, I don't know. Right. And I'm still searching for that answer. Well, we're in a, a period of great transformation. Right. So the, the hardest thing to predict is the future. Um, and so we just know directionally. Here's the thing. Let's get in the, all get in the right direction and let's figure this out together because we are yep. now in an era where we all understand, I think everyone understands, that um, one and one is three. Sales plus marketing, well-fused together, aligned people process technology is is going to win. The, that company will yep. win even if they don't have the best product. How we get there, we've, we've got to figure it out. And fortunately, the tools and technologies, coming back to sales enablement, it is really the tools and technologies that are fusing these departments together because we're realizing how much they work hand-in-hand -hand in collaboration. I want to give a few examples, Pam, and then I want you to maybe share some insights from the book. So at our company, just sure. to share some ideas, things we do, every new company, every new person who joins the company meets with marketing and is consulted on their LinkedIn profile so that the messaging about their role and what they do at DemandGen and who DemandGen is, is brought through consistency. We see every single person in the organization as part of the sales and marketing team because they are, right? I mean, in the yep. digital world, um, your entire employee base is uh, part of the sales and marketing team. We design, before their equipment's ever deployed to them, their signatures in the email. So they have a signature with their photo, without the photo. Marketing creates those. Um, the fonts, the look and feel, everything is standardized. And boy, that, i got to tell you, that was met with a bit of resistance. People who had been here with the company when we moved to that was like, you know, I, I kind of feel like my signature is my signature. And we're like... It's not. I mean, if you think about direct mail, every time someone receives a piece of direct mail, it's branded. You mentioned Amazon earlier. They do an exceptional job of the customer experience. So I could give more and more examples, but since, as you point, sales is in marketing and marketing is in sales, and I'm extending that to the whole company, those are some of the things that we've done. Other things, we are doing a tremendous amount of training. We had one today for our sales organization on uh new tools that we have deployed to them and how to leverage those tools in the top, mid, and bottom of the funnel. So marketing operations and marketing doing a tremendous amount of sales enablement training. But I'd like to get your perspective. What are you seeing other companies do in terms of how they're embracing sales enablement and, and rolling it out? Yeah, I actually love your ideas. Um, I'm going to write a blog post. They're not my it. ideas. I, I got to give credit to my head of marketing, <laughs> Tiffany, same last uh, name, Lewis, but it's 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 her that's leading that. I just I just, you know. Oh, really? Translate the because good ideas. I I love this that uh, when you're onboarding, actually incorporate the the marketing elements of it. And uh, what you are trying to do or your VP of marketing is trying to do is create that consistent experience, right? And uh, the consistent experience that your uh, prospects or your existing customers will see and view and, um, and feel. So having uh, the same signatures, having the same talking point for different uh, job titles on LinkedIn, I think that was, that was fantastic. And that's the first time I heard about it. So kudos to uh, your marketing team. Yeah. Like I said, I want to mention that uh, on my blog post. 
And, uh, and you also touch a little bit on the personal brand versus the corporate brands, uh, especially for the salespeople, right? They resist it because they feel that they are unique and uh, they have a certain way to talk to their customers and it charms them to the point that they can, be, uh, a, a, they can be the lead and eventually bring additional business for you and your company. So that personal brand, that personal charisma is actually very, very important to them. Mm -hmm. So I can totally understand that they resisted initially. But at the same time, I touched this a little bit in my book as well in the chapter called Messaging and the Branding. And I'm talking about that the messaging created by the marketing team is very important to be leveraged by the sales team. Mm -hmm. And uh, from time to time, you cannot use it exactly the way the marketing is using it because uh, you talk to your prospects and your existing customers at different stage of the sales funnel, right? And also they have a different needs. You need to modify your talking point. I totally get it. But the, the messaging to some extent, at least when there's a certain uh, a specific sales tactics and a process uh, process needs to be exactly the same. So you touch on that in terms of the consistency of experience, and I want to expand that, that including messaging framework as well. Yeah. So I think doing that is actually very, very critical, and you'd actually take it one step further. In general, majority of the companies, what they are doing is really on the sales onboarding and continuous training. They really, really hone in on the onboarding, and the sum of the onboardings can be five days, right? Salesforce, and uh, it's a five days onboarding. And uh, there's another startup company I talked to, and uh, it was part of my book called Adorex. And they also do a five-day uh, onboarding boot camp. And uh, it's, that training is so important because when you sell complex uh, technologies or products, you really need to make sure that the people knows how to do the whiteboarding. Right. They need to know how to actually do the pitches, but with their own voice and using their own words. So you have to explain what your products are, and you also have to train them and give them time that they can practice and doing that, uh, like I said, using their own words. So that whole thing of the, uh, practicing the, pit, the pitch and doing the whiteboarding really takes time. And a lot of the company are willing to invest uh, five days and sometimes book yeah. in the hotels, not necessarily in their offices, and to actually train their sales team. Yeah. So um, there are multiple ways in terms of how to, I hate using the word, <laughs> I'm going to sound negative, indoctrinate uh, the employees, but there's multiple ways of doing it. And the, the one thing that you mentioned, I loved it. Great idea. No, oh, great. I'm glad you brought up these points. Uh, we hired a, a new head of people operations, Melissa Monroe. She joined the company a couple of weeks ago, and she said um, some things I really like. Is like, you know, I think we as a company do a good job with orientation, uh, and I'd like to keep looking at how we're onboarding. You know, her 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 yeah. message to me was the first week is critical, but there's months that go into the onboarding process to ensure everyone is successful. And I'll, I'll just extend this offer. Uh, boy, I hope I don't get buried, but that would be a good problem to have, is if anyone would like a copy of our sales onboarding training agenda, drop me a note on LinkedIn, and I can, I'd can i be happy to share that with you, uh, because there's a lot around CRM training and sales enablement tools training, and maybe just get you started on a, on a Microsoft Word template that you can Think about what your sales and marketing operations team is doing for your new sales hire. So that uh, is something that we have. 
Uh, and then you, uh, obviously, Pam, you know, I've, I've send tor- it to me too. I will. I, I would was, love to see that. You were nice enough to send me an outline of your book, which I can't wait to get the finished copy, and I'll take a signed copy when you're all done. But um, <laughs> I have enjoyed listening to your podcast uh, and uh, visiting your site, which is chock full of, of content. And I know you've been, well, you've been traveling around the world doing workshops and speaking and, and teaching on these principles. So kudos to you for not only putting it in the written form, but getting getting the message out there. Be, you are another agent of change in the world. Pam, which is which is awesome. Thank you. You're being so kind. Thank you. Well, I'm glad we met. We probably need to wrap things up. Uh, thank you so much again for taking your time. I know it's busy. Congratulations on getting your manuscript done and over to the publisher this week. So a virtual cheers. Yay! Uh, to you. Yeah. I am so excited. It was actually five months. It is like, oh, like, you know, you have something, like, above your head, yeah. like, for a long period of time. Like, you feel like you have to check it off, but you cannot check it off. And then every morning you get up and you're like, oh, God, do I really have to write another 500 words? I'm going to puke. And then you have to just, you know, you just have to sit down and write and, and, uh, and, and then write it. And that whole thing, that whole process is really about five months. Yeah. Oh, I'm I- so happy. I congratulate. So I, mean, I know I remember the feeling well. I'm not there yet, so I finished my first book, which is Manufacturing Demand. Uh, for those of you that haven't read it, just go to manufacturingdemand.com and you can download it. Because as I like to say, I'm on the New York Times best giver list, and so I make the digital version completely <laughs> free. But if you want a physical copy, grab one online or reach out to me. Uh, I I loved doing my first book, and I was like, okay, done, check, bucket list, writ, wrote book, right. good book, yeah. feedback's been amazing, and then, of course, marketing said, time for book number two. So I'm in the process of working on that, and I met with the publisher earlier this week as my check-in, and my goal is to have it done this year, and so I'm behind you. But you know the thing? It wasn't even the writing for me that was like the heavy lifting stuff. Um, I'm getting through it. What I found was the rereading of the book proofreading over and over and over again. That is something oh I just didn't God. expect. Tell me the about time it. Commit, oh, I can relate to that. I can completely relate to that yeah. because I have to rewrite everything. I have to rewrite every single chapter like multiple times. Right. And after that, after you finally got that done, just like you said, you have to, you have to go back and reread it multiple times. And to the point, I just cannot see it anymore. You know, yeah. I'm reading it, but I'm not reading it. And um, yeah, Totally. I totally understand. Well, if you're listening and you're thinking of writing a book, do it. Don't let Pam and I talk you out of it. It's one of the most rewarding experiences. That's true. If you want to write, do it yeah. and write. Just, just do it. Maybe bang out a chapter. Start with an outline. Um, Pam and I can help you, get you on your way if you need it. All right. Well, hey, I'm going to wrap it up, Pam. Thank you so much. I look forward to catching you at some of the events coming up and certainly uh, keeping in touch. Thanks for sharing your insights. Um, again, if you missed it in the beginning, uh, drop by Pam Didner, D-I-D. N-E-R dot com and she's got a whole bunch of content on her website that you can delve delve into on content and certainly now on sales enablement and I want to thank everybody for joining uh, this episode that's going to wrap it up and we'll catch you on the next episode take care you've been listening to Demand Gen Radio bringing you the top industry experts thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.